Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from Anchorage, Alaska today, and super excited for folks that are jumping on and hopping on to listen today. We want to thank our show sponsor, Gungerstein for Senate for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. It's because of her sponsorship that we're able to get conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. We're very excited for that. We actually ran into her last night at an event, and she was very excited about being on the campaign trail, being in Anchorage, uh, meeting folks. It's the first time she's running. So folks, I want to encourage you to go check her out. She's a nonpartisan candidate running for U.S. Senate, and she is pro-energy, and has got a couple of things to say about how Joe Biden's not doing a great job running the country. Um, and we also want to remind folks that we do have a Must Read Alaska app. If you go to the iTunes store or Android store on your smartphone, you just type in Must Read Alaska and the uh, app pops up right there. It's free to download for anybody. If you do use it, make sure to give us a five star review. And uh, the fun news of today is currently we are to top 200 uh, podcasts in the government section in three different countries right now, which is pretty exciting. Austria, uh, Switzerland, and the United States, we are the top 200 podcasts on iTunes. So thank you so much for listening, folks. Small operation, just Suzanne and I doing this, beating folks with million dollar budgets, which is also very exciting. But without further ado, I wanna introduce our special guest today, Nancy Dolstrom, who is former deputy or former commissioner of the Department of Corrections and former state house member. She is on the Dunleavy ticket running for lieutenant governor. Nancy, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. Thank you, John. It's great to be here with you. Well, I'm so excited you're with us. I think I want to, you know, I think folks are hopefully going to be excited to watch this. They get an opportunity to get to know you and get to know you as a person. I got to know you a little bit down in Juneau and, uh, just love the fact that you're on the Dunleavy ticket. Uh, tell us, tell the folks a little bit about where you grew up and what brought you to Alaska in the first place. Okay, I'll give you a, a few facts. Hopefully they're interesting to folks. I actually was uh, born in Baltimore, Maryland. My dad was serving in the army there at the time. And my family lived in Washington, D.C. area till I was about eight and then at that point, they, uh, my dad had left the military. He was working for Allstate Insurance and was transferred to the Utah area. And so that's where we moved. Um, I lived there until I was 18. And interesting enough, my girlfriend and I decided to move to Alaska the summer that we were both 18. She had connections um, in Alaska. Her father was at the time an officer on Fort Richardson and we were gonna come up and stay with him and enjoy all the beauties of Alaska and then go back and continue on with our life. And interesting, both of us decided to stay and made Alaska our home. And here I am, you know, 40 years later almost. So I obviously, I, I live in Alaska by choice. It's my home by choice and thrilled to be here. I, I grew up in a family of six kids. I was the oldest and Anybody that comes in a little 
a little bit larger family knows there's always tons of responsibility and um, you know things that that come with that. So I'm used to hard work. I'm used to doing things, uh, getting them done, and um, just looking out for what's the best for a group because that's what you do when you're in a big family. Well, that's awesome. Well, somewhere along the lines, you're in Alaska. You've maybe mid, you're into your career or you're partway through, you know, you've had a family and you're, you figured out, okay, I need to run for office. Something is not working here. Tell us about that story of why you first ran for office and uh, what did that look like? Uh, what, what is your story of, uh, you know, finally having enough and wanting to run for office? Well, you're, you're right in that I've raised a family. Uh, my husband and I have four children and uh, the youngest one was just getting ready to complete high school. And there were some things happening politically, um, you know, right around me that I became aware of that I really, really didn't like. You know, one of those was there was some big support for state funded abortions. And I absolutely disagreed with that. I don't think the state should be in the business of funding that. And the other thing interesting was the PFD. And there were many arguments and discussions about it, almost like we still have now. But at the time, my strong feeling was that should we break into the PFD and do other things other than what were aligned in statute that we should put it to a vote of the people. Here we are all these years later, I still feel strongly that if we're going to change the PFD, um, we should put it to a vote of the people. I trust Alaskans judgment. And um, I, I think it would be the best, most honest way to do it. So some of those reasons, those, those strong reasons of why I ran in the first place still play into, you know, what's happening today, interesting enough. So um, tell me about some of the things that you were excited that you were, you accomplished uh, in the state house. I believe you were in there from 03 to 2010. Um, Talk a little bit about a couple of those accomplishments and why you were proud of them. Well, a big thing is I was able to represent part of the military base when I was in um, the House. And I was proud of the fact that so many Alaskans were involved with the military, that we support the military so much, and that we were able to be there during very stressful times for them. Unfortunately, I attended a lot of funerals and a lot of memorial services for members who were killed protecting our country. Um, I did have an opportunity to co-chair the Joint Armed Services Committee. That, that was great. We were able to create uh, a, a special honor, a, a pin, um, you know, for those that were lost in the line of service and had a big ceremony. Um, it was a pretty, a pretty big deal. We brought family members from all around the country to Alaska to be awarded this uh, little, little pin, but big, big um, award from Alaska. That's awesome. So um, you, uh, Dunleavy wins, you know, Dunleavy runs for governor, he wins, he appoints you as the Department of Corrections Commissioner. Talk to us a little bit about how that felt, what was going through your mind. Um, is this something that you've always wanted to do? Well, I have not always strived to be involved in corrections, but what I do care and have always cared about is strong public safety and the responsibility that the state has in 
keeping, you know, citizens safe. It's in our constitution. It's something that we always need to be striving to improve on. I had the opportunity to serve on a committee that was gathering information, you know, before that final uh, vote um, that November and was involved with things that were happening with corrections. And so I was pretty aware of some changes that we were recommending be made that would strengthen public safety outside of prison walls, but also inside prison walls, because, you know, we have we have an obligation to keep everybody safe in there. I mean, obviously, the medical people, the mental health people, the officers, the administrative people running those facilities, but even the inmates, we have a responsibility to keep everybody safe. And then, you know, inmates, when they've done their time and served their um, their penance to, to society, then, and they're released, we, we provide opportunities in there for them to better themselves. And we, we hope that they will take advantage of them. So, um, you step in as the department of corrections commissioner was the department in shambles. Was it in good shape? What were some of the things that you were able to, um, tackle and succeed in terms of reform or change? You know, John, I would never say that the department was in shambles because the people that work in corrections are, um, they're among the best. They are absolutely dedicated to what they do. There's over 2,100 people that work in the Department of Corrections in the various um, areas. There were some policies that had been put in place that uh, myself and the governor absolutely disagreed with. There was amnesty boxes in the facilities where if people had drugs or paraphernalia of any type on them that they shouldn't have, that they were able to go to the box and put their item in and not be disciplined um, for having that. There, uh, There was a day pass program where inmates who had been sentenced by the court to serve to serve their time, were being allowed to leave the prison facility, sometimes up to 12 hours, to attend things like church on Sundays or um, other events. Um, I was given a pretty strong case by some folks about why that was a really good thing, but you know, it all boiled down to the fact that the court had sentenced people to a term that they needed to complete. And on top of that, we have a huge responsibility to care about victims. And I had a huge concern that victims were not being notified that this person, you know, may be out of the facility for a certain time, you know, supposedly with somebody who was like their chaperone. Um, if crimes had been committed by that person, it just, it just could have gotten real ugly real fast. So I did, I did cut that off. There was also a program where uh, spouses and some other volunteers could be in the prison facilities for unlimited amount of time. I, I just didn't feel that that complied with the sentence that the inmates you know, were to be serving. And it, in itself, it created, um, it created a big public safety issue. And you know, we had a big contraband issue and every prison in, in the world will always be challenged with keeping contraband, you know, out, but um, not having visitors roaming around freely and having access to different things, I think was a big step in, in stopping that from happening here. Yeah, the uh, I always think of the Department of Corrections staff that are at these jail facilities as heroes because 
you know, they're literally risking their lives every day. You know, state troopers would be other folks that are heroes and they run into, you know, shenanigans probably multiple times during the day. But these Department of Corrections folks are literally surrounded by it 24 seven on their shift. And so my hat goes off to them because, man, it would I can't imagine the I mean, I'm sure they learned how to deal with it and all that. But the stress and the all that of um, they're outnumbered and and they still have to perform their job and be professional. So, right. Um, and, you know, John, there's one other area I really want to bring um, everyone's attention to also. And that is in the department, there's uh, probation and parole officers. And they are often forgotten when we talk about, you know, CEOs, but those folks do not work within the walls of the prison the majority of the time, but they're out on the streets actually working often alongside with the local law enforcement in that area or, you know, the troopers or the FBI or the marshals, you know, when they do these roundups and go uh, pick up folks who have warrants or who have absconded, they're right there. These folks um, are certified to carry a gun. They have ongoing training and they often find themselves in pretty darn dangerous um, situations. And, you know, the thing is that they do their jobs so well that I think when they're doing their job, they oftentimes blend in and people don't even realize, you know, they're actually on duty working. Yeah, they're going into the hornet's nest every day and not only having to survive, but they have to extract somebody or serve somebody with a, you know, piece of paper or check up on somebody. And man, it's, it's a um, highly stressful, uh, you know, and you're risking your safety every day of, you know, every day you're on the job. So kudos to folks that do do that for a living. I have some friends that are in the DOC and man, I appreciate everything that they do because I sure as heck don't want to be transferring prisoners. It's not my calling, but somebody is doing it. And, um, you know, one of the barometers I look at is when you were the Department of Corrections Commissioner as doing a good job is you all stayed out of the paper pretty well, which I think is a great sign of you put your head down, you did your job, you made some good reforms along the way, no amnesty boxes, you know, people can't leave every other Sunday to just go to church all day long. And you made some good improvements without stirring up the uh, left hornet's nest of what we call the press here in Alaska. So kudos to doing that. I think uh, that your tenure there was uh, successful. And I hope that whoever your um, person is that is replacing you is just as good. So um, what's your vision for Alaska, Nancy, for being the lieutenant governor? Um, I think folks... You can remind folks if you'd like kind of what the roles and responsibilities are as lieutenant governor. I think that it's very important to kind of like hammer that home for folks because, you know, even folks that are super voters that vote in every election, um, I think still it's, it's they still some people learn what the lieutenant governor in Alaska does for the first time every election cycle, it seems like. So explain to us a little bit about what the lieutenant governor does and then what's your vision as the lieutenant, you know, if you all win as the lieutenant governor for the state of Alaska. Okay. Well, you know, by virtue of the constitution, the responsibility of the lieutenant governor, the number one responsibility is um, watching over the election process and making sure that it is run honestly and effectively and that every vote counts. You know, sometimes people joke and say, and your other responsibility is guarding the seal, you know, this, the, the seal of the great state of Alaska. 
but each governor has the authority and the ability to assign tasks or certain areas um, to the lieutenant governor that is serving with them. And I, Governor Dunleavy and I have had some conversations and um, I, I know he's looking at other areas that he will be tasking me with and, and I'll be happy you know, to take those on. But the division of elections and what happens there is the main responsibility. I think that it's very important, it's critical for Alaskans to know that when they cast their vote, that it counts and that every vote is counted. And they need to know that the process isn't, you know, corrupted along the way. I think that, I think there's some things that are working very well right now within division of elections. I know there's a lot of very devoted, hardworking people that are there, but just like anything and everything, I think we can always look at it and basically say, what can we do better? Or how can we make this process go smoother? Or how can we, guarantee that the chain of custody of the ballots um, around the state is handled properly and our, is our process documented. So when the public, you know, is, is um, aware of the information that they can see that it's an honest process. So I think just continuing to, to bring to light, you know, what, how the whole process goes, nothing's done in the dark. I think that that was done in the dark. I, I think that that will ease a lot of Alaskans. You know, th there's always somebody who maybe shouldn't have cast a, a, a vote that somehow slips in. Um, I, think, I think that that may happen now and then, but as far as mass, mass problems in our state, um, we don't have them like other states do, but that's not saying we can't always improve. We, we can, and I think that you know, the, my very first order of business will be to go in and review the policies that are in place and to talk with the folks, uh, the majority of which are in Juneau, who work for the Division of Elections and find out from them what's working, what's, you know, what they feel is not working before I come up with, you know, recommendations for, for potential changes there. So uh, a non-political kind of question for you. Who's somebody over your life that you've looked up to that's been kind of a hero to you and why? Well, I'll tell you that person is my grandmother and she's passed away, but there's probably not a day I don't wish that she was still around that I could either call and share an experience with or even ask her advice. She's somebody that was born in Germany and she came to the United States across the ocean in a boat, came into New York Harbor and started out here not knowing the language, but um, met my grandfather in that process of, of coming to America. Um, they both learned the language. They both were hardworking, put themselves up, um, had very successful lives and just loved people and loved all the opportunities and the things that America provided, but yet they knew that nothing was just going to be, nothing was ever handed to them. They had to work hard to obtain, you know, their goals. And along the way, I saw them trying to help other people reach their goals and just make things better. Whatever, whatever you're doing, whatever you have your fingers on, make it better than it was, you know, before you got there, before you had it. I think I think that that's would be a good way for me to always live. Nice. So 
what uh, what is it about it what about alaska is it that you love i think that um if you and dunleavy win i think it's very important that the governor loves alaska and the lieutenant governor loves alaska and so what it is what is it about alaska that you love that you want to see you know continue uh you know i think that um Oftentimes today we're we're faced with such negative stuff in the news and the Facebook and all this kind of stuff, and I think that it's very important that we talk about the the positive things in life and the things that we really love. So give give us an opportunity to hear why you love Alaska. I'm glad that you asked. You know, when I very first came here, I was overwhelmed with the beauty around me, and I mean, the very first time I went fishing in Ship Creek and pulled salmon in I'd never seen fish so big I I'd then never tasted fish that were so delicious I mean right away that was an experience that I had that was incredible but the beauty of Alaska the mountains the rivers the water um the icebergs that we have the glaciers gorgeous but even better than that is the people of the state of Alaska oftentimes I'll describe um Alaska to somebody who maybe is out of state or they're they've just moved here and I say you know what you're going to love it because people here are not nosy they everybody kind of minds their own business but if you need help people just jump in and they're they're there to help and get you back on your feet and then they go about their business it's just a group of very very independent people who want want to help others succeed and they want to be a left alone so that they can succeed. I love the independence of the majority of the people here. It, you know, a week, a week soul, a week whatever. This isn't a place really for that. Everything is big and um, gorgeous. Our opportunities, you know, people will say, oh, you guys are all daredevils up there. No, we're, we're really not. But there certainly is an opportunity for the people that want to. Um, do all those kind of things. I love, you know, the more I've learned about Alaska, I can remember, honestly, when I very first came to Alaska, I just thought there was, I thought everybody was an Eskimo. I mean, and and I would hear that. I, re- I mean, literally 40 years ago, I had people say to me, well, when you got there on the plane, what'd you do? Where, where, where did you live? I mean, did you just like take a sleeping bag and live on the ship? They had no clue about how things really are in Alaska. As I've over the years learn more and now you know there's there's over 240 Alaska native tribes of people that all have their own cultures and traditions and beautiful things that, that come in all those and I love that we've been able to you know we're, we're always striving to work together to bring people together and and value those things that are important to the different cultures and yet have areas of understanding you know, where we're all on, on the same ground. So it's it really the people in Alaska is the number one thing, but then the scenery, the, just the beauties of, of where we live. It's, it's not replicated anywhere. It's pretty phenomenal where we live. And I uh, uh, take it, uh, hopefully I don't take it for granted ever. We, my family and I spent uh, three weeks this summer RVing all around Alaska and uh, we had a blast and I encourage folks to get out there. And, you know, there's people that save up and Alaska's their bucket list and they've been saving it up, you know, for 30, 40, 50 years. And we get to experience it every day. So get out there and go do some fun stuff if you live here in Alaska. So, Nancy, 
question to you, my question to you is this, and it's it might be a little bit of an awkward question because currently the 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 incumbent has a lieutenant governor in there that's not running for lieutenant governor again. You're going to be you're running for lieutenant governor. Um, do we need election reform? I think that, and let me preface this question is I think that a lot of um, uh, conservatives, especially, are worried about elections. They're worried about any kind of machines involved, internet involved, uh, not being able to count, uh, hand count now with ranked choice voting, possibly. Um, they're just worried. And ranked choice voting has made, I think, everything just way more complicated. We don't need to get into ranked choice voting, but um, are we in need of election reform? I know the current lieutenant governor brought forward a bill. Um, I don't think it was ever heard, but um, what's your thoughts on that? Um, do we need well, election reform? Do we not? I think I think we I think we we do need to improve, and so in that sense, yes, we do. Um, and the governor has a bill that was presented to the legislature last year. You're correct in that it was not heard. There was a bill that Senator Shower had that had some similarities, and his bill was heard but um, never made it to the floor for a vote. Um, my discussions with the governor are that we will be presenting. Um, a bill again to the legislature to to look at and you know things like machines that are used the they come up in conversation with Alaskans on a regular basis and I think again if we can clarify for folks chain of custody of where um, machinery is and how it works and where ballots are paper ballots are because you know we, we already use a paper ballot we all go in and we get our ballot and then they give, when we're done, we put it in the little envelope they provided and we go to the machine and we stick it in the machine and it tabulates what was, you know, what we put in it. And then those ballots are stored inside that machine. Um, but, you know, that being said, I, I think that it would be wise to look at signature verification machines. I know they are a little bit pricey and we would need four of them in the state, but I think that would potentially weed out any um, ballots that shouldn't be um, counted for, you know, whatever the reason. I the, the word fraud is a strong word, so I want to be careful in how they use that word. But um, I yes, I think we do need to make changes. Yeah, one of the one of the common sense things I think about when people get riled up about elections and myself included is that, you know, eventually I had to come to the realization that just writing a bunch of stuff on Facebook and getting mad at everybody is not going to do anything. But what you can do is everybody lives for the most part. There's, there's a couple, there's some unincorporated boroughs in Alaska. I think there's a couple, but for the most part, everybody lives in a borough where you could actually volunteer in the election process. I know I can speak for my borough, the Kenai Peninsula borough. They have an awesome process where you just literally call the clerk's office and you just tell them, hey, I want to volunteer. I could, I, and you can even get paid in our uh, borough. They'll pay you for the time that you take on election day to work at the election polling stations. And, uh, or you could volunteer and there's uh, you can be, you can be a watcher, you can be a greeter, you can be the person that hands out water, you can do a whole bunch of things. And I think my, my point is for folks that are perturbed about the election, 
uh, the only way to make a tangible difference is to do something about it. And an easy way to do something about it is to go be a poll, go be a watcher at, during your election process. Watch the ballots get put into the thing, and 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 uh, you know it's it's something that you gotta you know put your name in the hat to make be a part of making a difference because I've seen the rants on Facebook, they don't do anything. Um, you got to stick your name out there and, and volunteer and stick your name out there and put it in the hat like you did, Nancy, for running for lieutenant governor. So I will be excited to see that bill if it's going to be a, a combination of showers bill and the governor's bill or what whatever it is, I'll be excited to see it. So um, why should somebody be excited about the Dunleavy-Dulstrom ticket? I know that as the Dunleavy is the incumbent and sometimes, especially in Alaska, I mean, I think we've only had two governors that have run that have been able to win consecutive terms. Um, Tony Knowles being the last one, I believe. And, um, you know, having a governor win two terms in a row is not really heard of in Alaska because I think Alaskan voters get very finicky about the one or two things somebody runs on. If they can't deliver, they're gone. And so what, why should somebody get excited about the Denlevy Dolstrom ticket if if I'm a conservative sitting in my house on the Kenai Peninsula? Well, I think a benefit, <clears throat> excuse me, a benefit to the Denlevy Dolstrom ticket is that we would have a governor who wouldn't have to skip a beat in continuing, you know, the work that's already in progress, whether that's you know, looking at the economic situation, whether it's looking at what's been happening with um, the PFD and and changes there or changes that are being talked about, um, whether it's things, you know, the, the sexual trafficking and assault situation we have in the state, the homelessness situation, the governor is currently working with others outside of state government on those things. We would lose the continuity of that, the economics of it, the situations, the conversations that are already happening with you know, oil companies and people that want to invest in Alaska, um, you know, all of that, there would be a big, you know, time period again, where people would kind of just have to wait while governor, a new governor got up to snuff on that, you know, having served with governor from the beginning of his term, I'm going to tell you that there were some bumps in the road that first year, and that's going to happen probably to any new governor but we could avoid doing that again. We could avoid that. Um, I've never seen a person so dedicated in um, the governor's office. And in my experience, since I've been doing this, I mean, the guy works, he literally works 16 hour days on state business. Um, I know that sometimes he has to be reminded to eat. He's just so busy doing, you know, state things and he loves it. The enthusiasm level is high. He's energized with it. I think the combination of his experience um, in his life before he joined politics, the, it, the experience I had in life before getting involved in politics, my experience in, in private, uh, my experience in the legislature, and, and also then in the executive branch, I think it gives us a real balanced look at the different things that are happening around the state. And we could be, uh, I think we would be the most effective team to work for Alaskans. So Nancy, let's say it's 20 years from now and you're sipping Mai Tais on the beach. What, what do you want to be remembered by for uh, your legacy here in Alaska? 
I would love to be remembered as a good person who cared about people and went above and beyond to help people. Um, and that includes a lot of things, but you know, I, I put a lot of value to listening to people and not just the people that have money or not the people that can be in your face all the time, but the everyday Alaskans and knowing, you know, how, how they live and what their challenges are to be remembered as that honest, hardworking and a, a caring person would, would be good. Awesome. So um, any other last thoughts on anything that you wanted to cover that we didn't get to cover? The stage is yours. Well, thanks again, John, for this opportunity. You know, as, as I continue to go around the state, sometimes with the governor and sometimes on my own, I've, I am so excited to be able to talk with Alaskans, to shake hands, to give hugs, get hugs. Um, that's That's the best part of this campaign is connecting with people. But I am committed to the state. I am willing to uh, to work hard. I'm committing to um, give an honest review to the things that are going on in, in division of elections and seeing what we can do to um, make things even better. And um, I'm, I'm humbly asking for people's vote for Dunleavy-Dahlstrom. And if they would like to contact us, we are available. They can email us at Dunleavy governor.com um, or you can call the election office and um, leave a message for myself and I'm happy to talk to people. So um, do you have, do you all have any events that you have coming up that you'd like to share or the, can they just find those on the website? I'm going to say best look on the website right now because there are so many different things. <laughs> you guys I'm are not sure which ones we're going day. to team. <laughs> well, Nancy, I appreciate you joining us on the must read Alaska show. And uh, hope to have the governor on here soon as well. I know that our folks would love to hear from him. Um, and we want to thank our uh, show sponsor, Gungerstein for Senate, for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. Uh, because of her sponsorship, we're able to get conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. We really are appreciative towards that. And uh, we want to remind folks, if you listen to our podcast on Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, or any other channels, and you enjoy it, make sure to give us a review there. Uh, every time you give us a review, it helps it further a little bit more, which is awesome. So we have, uh, for folks that are just joining us, maybe in the in this tail end here, I want to encourage you to go listen to the whole thing. We have Nancy Dolstrom here, who just spent a half an hour with us. She's the former uh, commissioner for Department of Corrections and former state house member from 03 to 2010. And she is on the ticket running as Lieutenant Governor with Mike Dunleavy, who is our current governor. So until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Hope everybody has a phenomenal Friday, an awesome weekend, and stay safe out there. Thanks. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you.